Welcome to the Move the Stairs podcast by the Denver-based public relations strategist at MNC Communications. We help clients from the CBD industry to nonprofits and beyond tackle their toughest communications challenges and protect their brand using our state-of-the-art tools and strategies. I'm president and founder, Diane Mulligan. For us, public relations is all about brand protection. We are experts in growing active communities, deflecting negative public relations, and building trust to help our clients stand head and shoulders above competitors. I'm Vice President Sarah Beatty. We're all former journalists. We've been in front of the camera and behind the scenes. We call our experience insider media relations, helping clients turn crisis communications and media relations challenges into opportunities that bolster the bottom line. And I'm PR manager Jordan Sherman. At MNC, we craft distinctive and effective solutions for your communications challenges. We call it our Move the Stairs philosophy. On this podcast, we share our best ideas for brand protection, crisis communications, media relations, and more. Let's get right to it. This week's Move the Stairs podcast. This week, uh, we've got a nice little theme going to us leading up to the Halloween holiday, Sarah. Well, so this week we are talking to all of you business owners, managers, department heads about spooky PR stories, PR (laughs) nightmares we've helped solve on this eve of Halloween. And by the end of this episode, you, trust me, are going to be looking for ways to protect your brand. And I see that Diane is ghosting in and out, and I know that she's having some internet troubles today. So we're going to, Jordan, you and I are just going to absolutely roll with it, and Diane's going to pop in as her internet gives the... guys. <laughs> <laughs> So, Diane, you're just about to break this down into mini conversations. Exactly. And if I don't get through it, just jump in because gosh only knows what's going to happen here. Okay. So, our first 15 minutes, we're going to talk about what is your PR nightmare, which I may be experiencing very quickly here. Um, and then secondly, we're going to look in the second 15 minutes about PR nightmares we've dealt with and maybe you've seen in the media lately. And then in the third, um, the third section... We're going to talk about actionable strategies you can take to protect your brand. So we're always looking for your questions. So Sarah, they need to jump in and let us know what they think, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so what the first question that we have for you is, what is your biggest PR nightmare? And be honest. So, you know, and because this is the question that we ask, um, you know, when we're doing media training or we ask uh, like right off the bat when somebody says, oh, we've got a crisis and we say, what is the worst thing that could possibly happen? What is the hardest, nastiest question you could possibly get? What is the question that you don't want to get above anything else? And that's where we go first. Like get the... Yeah. So you guys, I want you to type in, let us know what is your PR nightmare, your absolute worst possible scenario. And let us know in the, in the comments. And we would love to even maybe talk through some of those uh, as, as some of those come in. Yeah. And we're not talking about, you know, 
Tim Burton's Caroline, we want to know, like, what is your equivalent of The Conjuring? You know, movie I can't watch and then sleep wow. at night. <laughs> we want to know. I've never watched that movie, nor will I ever watch yeah, that no. <laughs> We also have our free downloadable one sheet. This is going to be a five-step crisis outline for you. And what this outline is going to help you do is organize okay. your thoughts is you're going through the process of figuring out what could lead up to your PR nightmare. So highly encourage you after our uh, vlog ends, log on to mncommunications.com, go to the Move the Stairs blog section, and you'll find that link embedded into the blog. And you can click through and get that. It's going to be tremendously helpful yeah. as you're in these plans. Absolutely. So we're going to start out the conversation today as we tend to do with a little bit of description, a little bit of definition. What is a PR nightmare? Now, all three of us are out of uh, television news. Um, all three of us were working journalists um, at, at one point. And so we, like, we deal with crisis. We dealt with crisis all the time. And these were, you know, flames or, or shipwrecks or, you know, tragic events. Um, so we've dealt with all of those crises and Diane, I mean, my goodness, your name is disaster, Diane. So you have a broad swath of nightmares to, to choose from. Yes. When I was at NBC news in New York, that's what they coined me was disaster Diane. Cause if a disaster happened, it was usually during the shift I was working. Um, and so, you know, I did everything from. Heaven's Gate, if you guys remember, this is oh, really yes. going back in time. No, I remember that one. I remember that one. We were supposed weird. to ride the comet to eternity, and they were all, I know, I know, Jordan, you probably weren't born, but anyway, um, <laughs> they all had on their, their Nike tennis shoes, and they were covered yeah. in purple shrouds. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. But um, probably one of the, well, we had, we had the Olympic Park bombing during the Olympics. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how many crashes, but TW800 crashed on my 10th night there. And um, and as, as I was ending my tenure, um, Princess Di died. Mm. We had to move everything to London. And then uh, Mother Teresa died three days later. Right. So oh everything goodness. had to move to Calcutta. But then we had to split coverage. Came back to Denver thought it was going to be pretty calm and man, then we run into Columbine and that was something. Um, left news, there were many others in between left news in New York for a big meeting for National Stroke Association on 9-11. So, um, let so this nickname is well earned. It is, it is well earned. <laughs> I basically used to say after I left, if you're coming to town, call us beforehand. so we can Please let us know on. so we can staff up. <laughs> <laughs> so pretty uh you know and, and you just get to the point where um when a crisis happens you calm yourself and in a newsroom i was usually on the desk managing and so i would stand up because that helped my energy level and i would um i do remember the um oklahoma city bombing uh, when that happened and i was watching those children being brought out of the Murrow building um that were in the daycare down there it was the only time i ever sat down but i sat down that day um and that because that was that was really my first huge 
impact that one that impacted me the most. I had just adopted a little boy. Um, so, you know, I definitely get that overwhelmed feeling. But now we've been through it enough that if you can calm yourself, you can work your way through it. And that's mm-hmm. key. That's key. So, Jordan, again, with the definitions here to make sure that we're being, um, you know, sort of bringing everybody along with us. So we've gone from crisis crisis, which were, you know, we could go on all day long about um, some of the things that we've managed and seen and covered in news. And now we have to make this turn to a PR crisis, Jordan. Exactly. So we look at a PR nightmare It's a term used within corporations and the media to describe either an embarrassing event that creates a bad reputation for a single person, group, or your business, and in this case, your brand. And for many people listening to us and watching us today, their business, their brand is their livelihood, right? Right. So it's it's really important to know how to navigate, you know, through a, a potential PR nightmare. And, you know, one of the things that we always preach, Diane, is, you know, at MNC for to stay on theme, are we having a bad dream or are we having a nightmare? And, right. you know, we, we like to call yeah. it a headache versus a heart attack, right? right? But, you know, the bad dream you kind of wake up from, um, it's over, you might still be sweating, you wake up, but you shake it off and you move on. And that's a, that's a, a PR issue, which you'd also call a headache, you know, and, but what's interesting is, you know, I don't want to anyway denigrate the fact that when you're going through that dream, it feels bad. Absolutely. So, it feels real. So, yeah. So it's really interesting to have somebody who you can kind of bounce that issue off to feel, is it really, um, is this a headache or a heart attack? And sometimes you need that outside perspective because it may feel like a heart attack at the time, but it isn't. And you don't want to turn it into a heart attack. Um a heart attack is something that's going to be ongoing, that's going to have significant impact on your business and your reputation. And so that's what that's where you get to the heart attack. So best practices, first thing, breathe, take a breath. There's nothing that you have to respond to in the next 30 seconds. That doesn't mean you get to breathe for 15 minutes. I'm sorry, that doesn't happen. Right. But you do get to take a breath and just kind of think, okay, I got to take the emotion out of this. This is not the worst thing in the world because we've all been through so much now that, you know, every time we think it's the worst thing in the world, there's always something worse. Um, And really just need to sit down and evaluate the the situation. And I find that if you put it into, um, as you would say, Sarah, snackable pieces, um, you really kind of sit down and say, what are the steps I need to go to? Mm -hmm. Um, And how do I do this? can work your way through it because it's not usually rocket science. It's basically first gathering the facts, take the time to gather the facts. Um, and the, and you want to get to the media and say, we know there's a problem and we are working on it and we're going to get back to you. Um, and you want to make sure that you're thinking about your employees at that point too. So for the media inquiries, they're going to start flooding. And I mean, flooding in, mm-hmm. especially you'll get tweeted, you'll get messaged, your phone will start ringing and all that's gonna happen at once. So you're gonna have your your basic message that's we know what's happening uh, and we're finding out more about it. We're gathering our facts, we'll get back to you and then you wanna give a specific time. You wanna find out their deadlines. If you pick up the phone and there's a reporter on the other end of the line, the first question you wanna ask is what is your deadline? Now, if it's a breaking news story, their deadline is right then. 
And that's when you have to say, I promise you, I will get back to you in 15 minutes with whatever I know, but we're just gathering the facts, but we are on it. And that's the message. We are on it is what you really want to get out in that those first um, five to 10 minutes. Um, then when you do start giving facts, make sure you have the facts. I cannot tell you. In fact, we just now take it for granted that when we see a story breaking, probably everything we're going to be told is wrong because well, people are talking as facts are emerging and things change, right, Sarah? Well, and I'm happy to see many, many news outlets are now posting something on breaking news that says in a breaking news situation, the facts change and information changes very quickly and information that we may report that we that was accurate at the time may change in a breaking news situation. And that I think is a very honest um, and open assessment because here we are in this moment where you can broadcast from your cell phone and if there are flames happening, somebody's broadcasting it, you know, and you don't know that information. So it that's the idea of putting out a statement that says we don't know or we have information or we have this information and it will be updated over time right. is something that I think that people are getting used to and should, because that's a, that's a true thing. And a, 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 Absolutely. And you could even say, here's what we think we know, but we are gathering facts just as we're talking to you. And we know that you desperately want as much as we have. So we're going to give you what we think we know, but these could change. And if you say that in the beginning, Mm -hmm. gives you a little leeway as things do change because they will change. That's the bottom line is they will change. And if you've already said that, then you can go back to that when people say, oh my God, they got this wrong or they got that wrong. And instead say, as we said, we were trying to, to answer your questions as honestly as we could with what we knew at the time, but then things changed. And, and so you're kind of prepping for that. And that's just really the situation that happens in breaking news. That's the situation that happens in crisis. You're going to learn new things where you're going to think, oh, if only I had known that or I had no idea. I mean, how many times in a crisis have we all said that where you just have that moment where you're like, well, that changes everything. And so just know that's going to happen. And so if you just are upfront about it in the beginning, it takes a lot of the sting out of that. The other Diane, thing is... I, I I love how confidently you were talking about, you know, it was almost as if you put yourself in that position where you were the spokesperson saying, hey, we're still getting the facts together. And I don't think that should be overlooked. You know, right. whoever your spokesperson is, who's going to comment on what's happening in your PR nightmare. They have to be up there um, and be able to, you know, communicate clearly and confidently what's happening. Because if you get somebody up there who, you know, is a little weird, wishy-washy right. and, and, you know, doesn't sound, it isn't speaking with conviction. Uh, it's not going to be a good look for your brand. So, you know, Diane, I thought that was a great example. Yeah. A very good point is that you do, you have to be um, very sure in how you're presenting, even when you may not be so sure of the facts because they're unfolding. But if you always, with every time that you speak to the media, remind them of that, this is what we think we know right now and then go into it. It's going to help in the long run because this is a long run scenario. You're in, you're in definitely a marathon at this point. The other thing is to make sure you have somebody who's media trained and a backup um, because the first person, um, hopefully they're there and they're available. If they're not, then you have somebody that you're ready to go to, but also 
backup person is helping manage all the requests that are coming in, helping with the messaging, someone you can bounce things off of, who also is media trained and understands they may be out there too. So they're going to have, um, they're going to be very invested in what you say and how you say it and how successful you are. So to have that second person that you can really depend on is huge. And I understand that many of you who are watching have pretty small organizations. So if you're the president, you need somebody, you need your number two there with you, who's going to help you, or you need to have somebody you can call who's a professional on the outside who can be writing and thinking about how things are going to be told or how things are going to be taken, excuse me, as you're talking. Because the other thing is you want to be as prepared as possible and as little off the cuff, cuff as possible in a PR nightmare because everything you say is going to be evaluated from 10 different ways. Right. And just a couple of, of sort of housekeeping type things that we always go through at this point with clients. One is um, first and foremost, if you have flames or, or some, you know, really tragic thing happening, check your social media, make sure that you it's on pause, that you don't have some pre-produced, pre-scheduled, um, you know, hey, widget sale today going out if your widget building manufacturing facility is on fire. Right. Um, so check your social media and make sure that you've got that paused and managed. Um, and then, you know, the other thing, just to reiterate on, on a point that you made, Diane, I mean, we have an internal um, crisis plan. So each of the three of us has a, a, a particular role and we know what it is. So if something happens to one of our clients, um, two of us are on the road to get to that client location and set up and start managing that location. One of us is what we say back at the ranch, um, monitoring social media, monitoring um, our data and analytics software to get a really good, clear picture and, and pull messaging and update messaging based on what's happening on the ground. So we're going to get to more of that in a minute. But right here, as we're talking about this, you know, heart attack uh, moment, um, part of this uh, 30 seconds that you take to breathe is thinking through, okay, what are the steps? What are the couple of things that I need to do right away? And then I need to find my additional information. And then I need to start making a plan for how to how to manage this particular situation. So right now it's your turn. In the comments section, we want to know what are some of the ways that you have prepared to deal with a PR nightmare? So if you have specific things that, that uh, a specific crisis plan in your shop, um, we would love to know about it. What are some of the things that you have right up at the top of that list? Um, let us know in the comments section. And remember that we've got the free downloadable one sheet, the five steps for managing a crisis plan um, with just really wonderful actionable strategies to help you out. And you'll find that in the Move the Stairs blog on our website. Also, I think it's really important if you're if you don't have a plan, and remember, a plan can be one or two sheets of paper. Mm -hmm. um, it should, I don't think it should ever be the whole kit and caboodle in a, you know, one of those big 30 page bound yeah. spiral books. On now, shelf. if you have a big enough organization and everybody's got a copy and they have a certain section, okay, I buy that. But for when you first start, you better have the pilot checklist. You better have the one to two pages, right? Um, I think it's really important if you don't have one, we're coming up on the end of the year. There's a lot of year end planning and 2021 planning. 
this should go into your strategic planning. Mm -hmm. It should be part of a discussion that you have with the other members of your C-suite or the other two or three members in your company, however big you are. Um, because the one thing I can tell you is that it doesn't matter what the crisis is. If you have basic steps to what you're going to do, it's so much, you can breathe, you can relax, you can think, I know what to do. Okay, this is a, a more unique situation than I ever thought I have, but I know the basics of what I have to do. I have to breathe. I have to pull my messaging that says, we know there's a problem. I have to talk to my employees before I talk to the media. So I make sure that they know what's going on. And then I have to handle the media, which includes social media. And I have to move fairly quickly, but I know I have those steps and I know that I have them down. And that makes a huge difference. It kind of goes into our whole move the stairs concept. So for those of you that don't know what move the stairs is, this is a philosophy that we have here at MNC, as well as in our personal lives, where you look at what's given to you, crisis or just regular old day, and you say, what can, what can I do? How creative can I be within the confines of what I have to make the most of any situation? Um, and very quickly, there was a podium, there was Senator McCain, he was coming out, he was gonna be elected, and the stairs led to my competition. The stairs off the podium led to my competition. I unbolted the stairs, moved them to my side, and we got him first, which was the most important thing in television news, which is total inside baseball, but that's the truth. Whoever gets the interview first wins, and we won the night because I moved the stairs. Um, so we look at that analogy as how you can move the stairs and how we can move the stairs for any of our clients um, and how we, as we said, in our personal lives, what, what's life given us? How do we make the most of it and how do we win the day? And that's the key to move the stairs. So I think that's really important for us to know right now. All right. And I think too, <clears throat> excuse me, just clearing my throat. Um, <laughs> we can edit that out. Yes. <laughs> A little note for our podcast editor there, but you know, as we move along to the juicy stuff, right? People listening, they want to know what we have dealt with. And, right. you know, some of the things or that we've seen you? in the media recently. <laughs> What's that? What do they, I Jordan? really want to know. Really. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully you'll be able to learn a little from what we've done, I hope. Yeah. Right? Well, I, I hope so, too, because, you know, I, I think our first example here, um, first of all, congratulations to you two <laughs> for winning a Silver <laughs> Anvil Award for this first example. But if you, if you what I love... Media, you've seen me literally jumping up and down we were so excited yes, so and i do sure. that very often so. uh, diane i want you to explain what the silver anvil is because this isn't just like this isn't just your regular award this no. is a big deal so we won the silver anvil from public relations society of america for our crisis um the way we handled a crisis in a little town south of denver and south of colorado springs called manitou springs um, it's a national award and, and I have no idea why that, sorry, it's a national award and we are thrilled. It's our first national award. And, um, and we're also thrilled that we got it for crisis communications yeah. because crisis communications and brand protection PR is what we're all about. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. Well, and what I want to point out about this award is, um, nobody's ever heard of this crisis, right? Well, Nobody. Few people have heard a handful, a handful. A handful. Yes. But Jordan, you were in TV news. This is what I love. You were in TV news 
at the time in Colorado Springs. What did you hear about that event? Nothing. Not a whole. <laughs> the best PR sometimes is no PR, right? right? <laughs> no media. Um, my station was not live there, but I do know one of our competitors at the time, they were live there. Right. So we were keeping an eye on things in the newsroom. But the most important things that we were talking about um, was, you know, the, the road closures that occurred because of this event. And that was kind of it. But when it when it came to um, things happening on social media or, you know, something, God forbid, something happening there, nothing happened. And, you know, things that were happening behind the scenes, we had no idea. Not a clue. Bingo. <laughs> so, kind of back up and explain what the heck we're talking about, Sarah. So we, so the city called us in because, um, this very well-known church that uh, pickets um, schools and soldiers' funerals and a number of things. They're very, very um, controversial church had um, announced to Manitou Springs, we're going to come picket your high school on uh, Monday morning when the, when the high school students arrive at school. And the issue in this particular town is the very, um, you know, open, diverse, uh, accepting, welcoming town, lots of very artistic community. And so this was really incredibly deeply offensive to this community, um, as, as it was to many others that this group targets. And they um, were really honestly trying to trigger a lawsuit. Um, so you clamp down and say, no, you can't do this. And they say that is a First Amendment lawsuit. And they have won over and over and over again, um, these lawsuits and, and quite a bit of money. So um, this became the kind of thing where the, the city and the school district was trying to figure out, you know, what do we do and how do we handle this and how do we manage this in a way that um, ensures that um, First Amendment rights are protected for everybody, for, for this group and for um, counter demonstrators. And what do we do um, with a um, community nearby that has a lot of um, concealed carry permits? And, and the police were concerned that there was going to be some, you know, mix it up activity between the two groups. And where this high school is located on top of a hill with exactly one road in and out. So if mix it up did happen, uh, it was going to be uh, within feet, within spitting distance of the front door of this high school. And there would have been students in the middle of it. I mean, so it was a really volatile um, situation that, and there were, I don't know, Diane, I think five different agencies or six different agencies groups, um, city departments, whatnot involved. So it was a, a, a incredibly complex, um, simmering, um, potentially uh, explosive uh, issue that thankfully Jordan Station didn't think was a big enough deal to cover it because they <laughs> were worried about parking and road closures, which right. is exactly what we worked to, um, you know, to, to uh, put out there and make sure that it was as diffused a situation as possible. And I think that's the key. It's not that you're hiding anything from anybody. It's that you're basically putting out the, the information that people need. Um, and, the, and you're thinking about who your target audience is, who really mattered here. 
That was the parents and the school kids mm -hmm. and the teachers. The local um, community. Right. And that's who really mattered in this. So it didn't need to blow up into a much bigger situation. But had it blown up into a much bigger situation, we had three, four, five contingency plans for mm -hmm. different inflection points where it could have exploded. It did not. And that was fantastic. Um, and uh, also there was no lawsuit, which was fantastic because we, we really thought about the First Amendment rights of everybody that was involved there. And that was very, very important. And it kind of became, you know, a non-story over a period of time because they came, the other groups came, it, things moved very quickly, and then they left. But for the, I think we had five days notice on this, for the five days beforehand, we needed to prepare for every scenario, um, no matter how serious that scenario. And, and the goal, of course, is to keep everybody safe. That's the first goal always, um, is to keep people safe, to keep them in the loop, to make sure that no one's rights were trampled on, First Amendment rights were trampled on. Um, and all of those things luckily came off with many um, very long hours <laughs> to get it done. And it worked out great. But again, it was one of those things when they called, um, we're like, were okay. We're going to start putting together a plan. Let's start deciding that we're going to have a you know meeting every morning um, with everybody who is involved in this. Let's work through the what are the problems. Let's find a solution. What scares you the most? Let's find a solution. Let's have plans. Let's have backup um, press releases. Let's have backup message points. Let's make sure everybody is trained so we are ready. So in that kind of PR nightmare, you have a little, and I emphasize a little because of the number of people that had to be communicated with. Um, but you have a little bit of time, and so you can put in the really, really good plans. Had we been called that morning, we would have done much of the same, um, but it would have been very accelerated. And the message points would have been, you know, with the three of us, we start splitting up immediately things that need to be done. So we did have another situation down there where we did get a call when it, the situation was already exploding. Um, and it was, it's one of those things we've talked about in other podcasts where it was a, a, a cultural situation where mm -hmm. the culture in our country has changed so quickly that really it's caught people. Um, people who have no intention of being caught in it whatsoever, but um, they're doing their jobs, and the next thing they know, they're in the middle of a controversy. So, um, uh, Sarah, you want to talk a little bit about this one? Sure. Well, and, and again, this was a situation where the most important audience was the local community, because the local community, um, you know, was learning the ins and outs of this new police chief. And, to and um you know, everyone, almost everybody had agreed, gosh, this guy is great and he's doing a wonderful job and he's really connecting with the community and very community minded and meeting with different groups. And so he had done a lot of trust bucket filling work, Absolutely, yeah. you know, and that was really what um, helped this very odd situation where um, he and the city manager were stopped in a parking lot by a woman who um, had a sign that said all lives matter. And she managed to get a picture with the, um, you know, with the police chief and the sign. And he right. didn't realize that she had the sign. And it was this 
No, just, and she asked him, does my life matter? And he said, yes. She said, well, then all lives matter. Click, took the sign and then took off. And then disappeared. I mean, it was just sort of an almost an ambush type thing. It was such an odd situation. Right, right. But and then so, there was this picture. Yeah, and then the picture went on social media. And so then all of a sudden, everyone's like, what the heck? Um, what does that exactly mean? And it, it was another one of those things where, okay, this is happening right now. Who's our target? Who's seen this? Where is this? Who is commenting on this? Who does it make sense from the media to talk to? It turned out it was the very local paper mm -hmm. who it made sense to talk to. Jordan, did the Colorado Springs media know about this one? Nope. Nope. Not, so, not one station. And there, there are four here. And it so didn't again, get picked up anywhere. Or the so local newspaper? Talking, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. So what we're talking about here again is you acknowledge and you honor that there's a problem. Absolutely. Um, and then you think about who is the audience who's seen the problem, who's impacted by the problem. And then you start by quickly, very quickly, getting your message out to them and having the response go back and forth to them. Meanwhile, you're preparing if the story could go bigger. This is the kind of story at the time this happened. It could absolutely have gone national. Mm -hmm. um, but the reality is it didn't and it shouldn't have. It was a very um, it was a very small situation, but certainly one having been at Network News, one that could have been pulled very quickly um, as an example type story, which would have been horrific for both the police chief and the town. And instead, within two days, the story was done. And this, there was all the response. All the things that you should do were done. They were done to the specific target audience on mm -hmm. purpose and they were responded to and responded to in a way that we hear that this has angered you or this has concerned you. Um, and that's how you deal with that type of situation. The goal is to de-escalate as quickly as possible with facts and be completely authentic and as transparent as you can be so that people see, wait a minute. And what happened on social media, and we've talked about this to you so many times, is there is a community on social media. And that community, because of the work that had been done to, to build that trust bucket, came out and said, this doesn't sound right. This doesn't hey, sound right. This, yeah, this is, a, this is a, a public servant who's really out there and I met him and that doesn't, and that's the type of thing that you need because, as, and of course, if it was not true that he was all those things, we would be in a totally different conversation. Mm -hmm. But nine times out of 10, you're out there and, and you don't, it, you're in a situation not necessarily of your own making or that was perceived differently than what you intended. If it's not, how many times have we heard, that's not who I am. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you, What's important, though, is that you build that community so they do know who you are, so that when the it's not who I am situation comes up, you've got that community who will stand up for you and say, we need more information here because this doesn't sound right. So I think that's really, really important. The, the last one we wanted to talk about was CPD labeling. And not only labeling is coming up. So when the FDA makes their decisions, all the CPD companies need to be prepared to look at everything they have. And the experience that we had with this was in, in Colorado, a number of years ago when marijuana, probably about a year into marijuana being um, approved recreationally, uh, we were working with a company and the 
Colorado came out with all new requirements on packaging so that there was this child safety um, that had to be done with the packaging, which meant everybody, no matter where you were in your product line, had to stop production and have that packaging redone. And it was a huge thing for companies because it was very expensive. Plus, you want if you're doing your packaging, it's not like you just call somebody up and say, I need a child safe packaging. You have to really think about what that's going to look like, how that's going to look. It took a lot of time, effort, took effort away from the business. All of a sudden, this is a new thing. And so it was a crisis from that standpoint. And then the word is, how, how do you communicate what you've done and why you've done it? Because certainly now everyone's looking at your packaging to see whether they like it, what's the response. Um, and one of the things that happened is a lot of the packages were so complicated, they were really hard to open. <laughs> People were not happy. Um, so it was one of those things where we really had to handle all those things. And again, having the community built first, hugely important. Secondly, saying this is what we're trying to do and this is the goal of this, very, very important. Thirdly, being consistent with your message out there, using your social media, um, and also, it's a great opportunity to talk to the local media and to talk about your product and what you're doing and why. It's a thought leadership position. So you take something that's a negative and you kind of turn around. As we say, every time you talk to the media, it's an opportunity. And that certainly was one of those situations. So this has been a couple of examples of um, a crisis management scenario that, that we managed that went well. Um, and not that anybody would have uh, questions about this. We do not handle Elon Musk's anything, no, crisis communications <laughs> or PR or anything. I, I don't so, think many people are these days. No, no, no actually, I think he has he two just, people left. Yeah, well, they closed their entire PR department at Tesla, shut right. it down. So this is one of these cases where I think we could quite reasonably call this a um, couple of self-inflicted issues. And we, we pick on poor Mr. Musk, uh, though he's never heard of us. And heartbroken if he did. But Jordan, I mean, good heavens, there's a lot to work with here. Yeah. And um, I think Twitter can be your best friend and your worst enemy um, here in the digital age. But if we recall, a huge story in 2018 was uh, that Thai soccer team, um, they were oh, uh, playing a game. Yeah. The sky opened up. It was monsoonal right. rain and it just dumps um, over there when they get the monsoonal storm. So they fled into a nearby cave for shelter, waiting for the storm to pass. Unfortunately, it did not pass and the water level in the cave started to rise. And as it rose, they moved deeper into this complex of caves so that they wouldn't drown, essentially. So it was life or death for them. So meanwhile, as they're moving deeper into this complex of caves, um, the world is figuring out how do we rescue all of these kids and the coaches? So Mr. Musk said, hey, why don't I come in with my mini submarine and I will help get all of you out of here, right? And that was pretty quickly rebuked by um, a British diver, part of the dive team. Um, assigned to rescue the kids and the coaches. And he said, you know, that we, we don't need you. What, what you're offering right now is a PR stunt, and we don't need that. We need solutions, actual solutions. Um, Musk did not like that, and he called this particular British diver a pedophile. Right. 
not the greatest thing you can do, especially um, when it when it's made public. Um, so his PR team, as you can imagine, are sitting in their chairs, slowly sinking down <laughs> like so <laughs> as they are enduring. An unfolding nightmare. And, and if you do look at um, when the blog goes up, 2018 was uh, fairly tumultuous for Mr. Musk and Tesla as a whole. And that happened in later um, 2018. So they had a big problem on their hands. You know, as a PR team, what do you do when you have a CEO um, who's on Twitter or on social media in general, um, just kind of firing stuff off at will, right? You have no control over that. And how do you, how do you reel in that damage control? Their stock did take a big hit that year too. Um, with it, some other things that were happening, but only we bought it then. Sorry. Yeah, sorry. no kidding. Yeah, I got right? <laughs> <laughs> well, and and really the upshot here is that there the PR team never did get a hold of on that. Right. And he went on to do a it wasn't a disastrous interview with Leslie Stahl, but it wasn't a great interview. And mm -hmm. we use that uh, as an example of what not to do. Right. He didn't prep for Leslie Stahl. So if you're um, going to prep for a journalist, it better be Leslie Stahl. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, um, you know, and, and in any case, it doesn't matter because Tesla um, has closed down their entire PR team. And one of the um, auto magazines uh, said that we're going to have to run a, a, you know, disclaimer basically in any coverage about Tesla from now on saying we are unable to independently verify any of the information that Tesla provides to us because there is no mechanism for asking for clarification or more information or a quote or an interview or anything else. So, you know, there isn't a whole lot to say because they didn't fix that. They clearly don't think that it's important to fix that. And, and there are times when I would say for the PR pros out there that are watching or listening, there are times when it's time to move on. Yeah. Um, and if you have a situation with um, a boss, if you have a situation that uh, where it's just untenable and you cannot do your job and that person is not going to listen to you and there's going to be these bombastic outbursts, um, my I would say to you, life is too short. <laughs> so, well, and it's your reputation too. There, right? I mean, and there's really the other thing. Yeah, it is your reputation. It is your reputation. So there are times when, uh, you know, it's time to fire a client or it's time to fire a boss. Um, and, and that means you need to get a move on. And that's what I would say to anybody that was in that type of situation is, you know, this is America. You get to work wherever you want. Go find another job because if, if you can't do it and, and the person just does that, I mean, the person absolutely wants to self-inflict this type of stress and problem and whatever, that's okay. They're absolutely, that's their right to do that. But it's your right to, to decide whether or not you want to work there. And there are times when you have to say, I this is more than I want to do. So I that may, that's a, an aside, but it's, truth and it saves the crisis in your own personal life and that i can attest to. <laughs> <laughs> you've got to cut down on crisis somewhere and you might as well exactly. start at home exactly i mean there are times when you're asked to do things and you have to say wow that's the line that i cannot yeah come close to let alone cross 
and right. you have to have the, the wherewithal. And that's where building your own community really matters because in that scenario, you go out to your community and that's your own personal PR. And that should always be part of any public relation person's job is to also realize that we also all have our own brand. We wanna protect our own brand. We have our own reputation and we wanna make sure that we have our own community that we've been giving to and, and sharing with and all of that so that when it happens to us um, and probably sometime in your career, it will happen that you can say, okay, I can move. I know I can do this. Yeah. No matter how scary it is, even if you work for like, you know, supposedly the coolest company in the world, which is Tesla. So, you know, I know it's, it's such an situation. odd, yeah, odd situation, but tell us what you think. What are the PR nightmares that stand out for you recently? There are um, so many to choose from. We'd love to know. <laughs> Especially in 2020. Holy 2020 <laughs> has been a a cornucopia of PR nightmares. There's so, one streaming on Amazon Prime right now. Yeah, <laughs> right. There's shows about them. There's blogs. There's podcasts. Let us know your favorite. We would love to find out. So just so you have an idea of what we're going to talk about next week, um, we're very excited because we have a guest next week. Um, and we're going to get the inside scoop on using paid digital marketing strategies on Facebook, Instagram, and other channels to build your CBD company as well as build your regular business or a, a, a non-CBD business without spending a ton of money. Um, and remember, when we talk about PR, we use the peso method and P in peso stands for paid. So um, it's very important that this be a part of your overall integrated strategy so that you're doing that consistent communication. Um, and so you're going to build awareness, you're going to build your customer base, uh, and then you're going to retarget and hopefully you're going to bring customers in to either buy your services or buy your products. And so that's what we're going to talk about next week. And we're very excited about that. Okay. So, and if you have any questions about that, please email or post your questions for next week and we'll be happy to answer them. And this is just so, uh, so important because organic reach on social media does not exist. Yeah. So if you are in the market for promoting a, a product or a service, make sure to tune in next Friday. But yeah. before we get too, too far off track, I want to get into our third topic because we've talked about what is a PR nightmare. We've you know laid out some great examples that we have worked with internally and some very public examples too. So we also want to walk you through some strategies that you can use to protect your brand. So these are going to be proactive strategies to maybe take your bad dream and prevent it from becoming a nightmare. Or if you are in a full-blown nightmare, you can kind of walk it back to just a bad dream. So we use a three-pronged approach to protect your brand and deal with, you know, negative PR that may be happening surrounding your brand. And, you know, the first thing, Diane and Sarah, you both have mentioned it um, a couple of times here, is building your community. And how do you do that? If you're going to talk to them, we're going to use the M and C four C's. We've talked about this on previous podcasts too, but this is going to be a clear, concise, conversational and compassionate conversation that you're going to have with these, um, you know, your employees or your customers as well. So whatever that target audience is for that particular message, you're going to make sure that you're using those four C's across your network of, you know, your channels or your networks of communication so that they're most likely to see or hear what you're trying to tell them, right? Absolutely. 
Yeah. And the second piece of this puzzle that we love, and, and I, I'm going to go out and say, even this spooky Halloween Eve, I think your absolute best friend in the entire world to protecting your brand is your worst enemy. Absolutely. And you know what? So we talk about the M and C three, the three people that you should always be talking to, picturing in your mind as you're communicating, um, whether it's on social media or, or in an interview or really to, to publicly in any way, shape or form. You're talking to your best friend. And that's, you know, that's the person that you're so excited to see and you're you're enthusiastic and you're upbeat and you have great energy. But right behind your best friend is your worst enemy. And that person is going to take everything that you say, even if you mean it one way and they're going to turn it another. They're going to take your good ideas or your good deeds and they're going to twist them. And they're going to take anything that you do, you say, you write, you have decided to take on, and they're going to turn it into something that you don't intend. So that person, I think, is, is the one that when you're out there communicating is going to keep you out of trouble the most. If you are making sure that you have that person in mind, don't give them a foothold, a toehold, anywhere to grab on. And, uh, twist something that you might say inartfully or, um, you know, non-specifically. And then your third person is your grandmother. And now Jordan and I have the most lovely, you know, sweet, wonderful grandmothers. Uh, Diane, you've got a, a wonderful Irish uh, grandmother who will tell you what's what. Um, but the whole point <laughs> of grandmother. She was a tough broad and she is proud of it. And that's yeah. and, and bless her heart. Because, because, and why? Because your grandma would say, don't use that language. I don't understand. Get, get real and talk to me so I can understand it. So while Jordan and I had grandmothers who would go, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, and not understand a thing we said with all sorts of jargon, your grandma would tell you to knock it off. You don't get away with that in my household. Trust me. <laughs> right. Oh, but, oh, you hot, you think so much you think you're so special that you would use all that language i don't understand holy moly okay yeah. that would be my that would be my grandmother and sometimes that can be other members of my family <laughs> but i digress but that's the usefulness of the mnc3 the the best friend the worst enemy and your grandma so that when you're communicating you're doing it very carefully very empathetically, concisely, conversationally, compassionately, but you're doing it in a way that you're not leaving an opening for somebody to not understand what you're saying or for somebody to uh, twist what you're saying or you're trying to do. And you can always use those, that industry jargon, if you just define it as soon as you use it. That's yeah. the key. Um, so that helps you with your credibility, but also helps the other person understand and they appreciate that. And again, you're building that relationship when you do that. Right. And really quickly, the third part of this, and we've talked about it in depth, so I'm going to be quick here because we have some new stuff that we want to share. Absolutely. Uh, have a brand protection plan. Make sure that you aren't starting from scratch. As Diane said earlier, it doesn't have to be a 30-page manifesto, but you know, a solid couple of pages. It's outlining who's on your team, how you're going to handle social media, what type of messaging you're going to have. 
um, who is going right. to be your spokesperson, who that backup spokesperson is, is really going to save you a lot of time should that bad dream become a nightmare and you're going to well position yourself to deal with it. So speaking of our, our new information that we kind of want to pass along, Sarah, break this down. I'm excited to hear it. And so is everybody listening. Well, okay. So one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was in a crisis, um, advanced crisis comms class um, seminar where the people who were giving it um, said, make sure that you sit down at the end of every single day and you write down all of the notes, everything that happened, you know, all the people that you need to get back to, all of the pieces of information that you missed you know, all of that. So part of that, and we do this with our clients, sit down at the end of the day and write everything down so that you can remember it all. But part of the reason you're doing that is so that you're looking ahead. And part of our insider media relations training is where is the media going to go with this tomorrow? If tomorrow's a snowstorm, is this going to be wiped away and, and completely forgotten? If it's a totally empty day and there's nothing happening in the newsroom, are they going to be all over us? Is this such a big story, such a big crisis, or such a big issue that we're going to be dealing with it no matter what? And that's where really good news, news judgment comes into play so that you can sit there at the end of the day once you've kind of uh, managed whatever has been happening you know, on that day and say, okay, where is this headed tomorrow? I also think it's very interesting. If it's a big enough story, they're going to be there at four thirty in the morning. Um, right. They didn't leave you until eleven o'clock at night. You're like, do I sleep? Um, the answer is no. You don't. You don't sleep <laughs> that night. That's the truth. I can't tell you the number of nights that I didn't go home um, because the reality is that they want something new for the morning show. Right. Made it through that first day. Maybe it's still a really ugly situation. If you can think of something, this is, a, this is the opportunity part. If you can think of something you can give them that's new, that's new information that happened overnight, that maybe something they, they didn't really get about your, your product or your company, something that you can give that morning reporter, I promise you it's going to be in the newscast because those reporters don't want to regurgitate what they had from 1030, from the 10 o'clock or the 11 o'clock show the night before. So that's a very, very good tactic. The other thing is, what is it that they're going to cover the next day? I can promise you, whatever the crisis is, it will be what we call personalized mm -hmm. the next day. Jordan, do you want to explain what that means? Exactly. So once you kind of have the nuts and bolts of something that has happened, you know, you know how many people are without power, uh, you know how many you know homes burned in a wildfire, the media is going to take that next step to say, okay, let's find somebody to talk to so that they can tell their story. And that's what we call personalizing the story. So it's going to be kind of a, a unique angle that they take because it really draws you in as, as a viewer, you're watching it and you're empathizing with these people who are maybe going through the worst, you know, uh, disaster or crisis in their entire lives. So, you know, is there an employee or a customer or a client 
um, that you could potentially offer up that, that could tell their story. You know, maybe you've helped them somehow in the past. You know, is there someone who doesn't feel like you're the one that's to blame that can tell their side of the story? As Diane pointed out, it's a tremendous opportunity as long as you're thinking ahead to position your brand to say, you know what, we're, we're, we're not all the bad guys and you don't have to accept responsibility. Now you do this with empathy. That is the key here. Empathy. You don't necessarily have to say that it's our fault, but as you're going through this, you know, crisis, um, you know, you're working through these avenues that, you know, there, there are people out there who are on your side if you have that trust bucket to go back to. Let's say you have a situation where a storm came through and um, your employees were caught out in the middle of the storm. I would definitely think about who is the employee who, yes, was caught in the middle of the storm, but also knows how hard we tried. This was a freak situation. This was a freak act of nature. So they can tell about how it impacted them. They can also say, you know, this is what the company has done. Um, and this is, you know, this was a freak act of nature and yeah, it was horrible while I was out there. They can do that. It was horrible part, which is the part that the media is looking for, but they can also say, this is what we have planned for. And unfortunately, this is one of the things that just absolutely hit us out of the blue. You have to be very careful because, um, because if you offer the way you offer that up has to be done with kid gloves because you don't want people to think you're managing their story but that I've got somebody who was out there all night. They work for us. They've been, a, you know, they've been an employee for 25 years. If you let's talk with them, they'd be more than happy to talk with you. That's kind of how I would go about that. Sarah, is that what you're thinking? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense because uh, to, to um, flesh out your point just a little bit, um, you never want to um, have the media feel like you're trying to feed them something they're they're right. like their sniffer is so, twisting the story somehow. yeah right. that right. you're trying to snow them with something or that you've okay. you know uh you know fed somebody a bunch of lines to regurgitate on their air yeah, yeah. or their newspaper I, I probably would not do media training with that person i would really I, I would just let it go because i would feel more comfortable that way and i would feel like i was being more credible uh in offering somebody like that up the other thing is, especially for, so all of media is going to go after personalization. When you get to print media, they're going to look much more at financial angles on the second day. They're going to look at leadership. Who is in leadership? Who are they? What do you know about them? That type of thing. That's going to happen. Um, and so you want to make sure that's all already buttoned down. And then if you have a crisis and you have an industry gold standard, um, so, for instance, with Rocky Ford, there was an industry gold standard of how cantaloupes were kept um, were kept uh, safe, and that you made sure that they that you did everything possible so that they would not have listeria or salmonella or whatever. And these were the industry standards. If your company is hitting those standards, you want to make sure that you have that written out and that you can provide that to the media. Um, and lastly, I would say. Um, that you want to make sure that you have some third parties who know you and know your company who can also speak to the situation. They have credibility and they can talk about that this, is, this was a terrible situation that happened, but this is how they have prepared for it. And uh, and we're so sorry about everything that's, that's happened here, but 
I don't know how the company could have done more. It's that kind of a an interview from a third party. So for instance, when we were talking about Rocky Ford and the cantaloupes and this mysterious situation, we had the Colorado Department of Public of Health, the head doc, the state doc saying, wow, they had done all this stuff. And so mm-hmm. when it was time to realize that it had nothing to do with Rocky Ford, that he could come out and say, they're hitting the gold standard. This is what they're doing. And it's coming from him. It's not coming from you. So that's another great way to handle it. Well, and to briefly recap the Move the Stairs chat, I know that you're at home getting the idea that we could go on for hours. We could yes. go on and on and on <laughs> with stories about this and would love to, and we will in more uh, detail in, in you know episodes from now on. But to briefly recap what we talked about today, we talked about some of the PR nightmares that, that uh, we have managed both uh, in public relations and as journalists. We walked through a number of PR actual nightmare examples um, and how we managed some of the ones that uh, were um, came to us from clients and helped clients navigate through those. And then we also gave you some actionable strategies to help protect your brand. So what we're hoping is that we have scared you Spooked you into Happy Halloween, that we have convinced you that a little planning goes an awfully, awfully long way. And one or two pages, don't make this complicated. Don't make it longer than it needs to be. Don't write a book. Don't put it on a shelf. This is bada bing. It's like, we've got three things. We've got five things. Let's go and let's solve this and let's get this, you know, dealt with. So that's what we covered on Move the Stairs today. So we hope you have a wonderful holiday. Halloween. <laughs> and for those that are you listening at Christmas, it'll just bring back memories. Anyway, yeah. so um, let us know how we can help you. Drop us a line. Um, you know, you can always put comments in on YouTube. If you're watching this later on Facebook, you can tweet us. You can do all that kind of stuff. We are here to help you. And we just want to have, I hope you have a fabulous Friday. And a great weekend. And for those of you listening in podcast land, have a fantastic day.